Hey Booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories I'm telling. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in box burgers and maybe always sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of Crime and Spirits, guys. Hi, I'm Bree. I'm Suze. How we doing today, girl? Pretty great. It's been a good day here in Erie, PA. The sun was out. Which is very unusual it's for the last few weeks. Literally. It's we thought gross. we'd never see it again. Honestly. It's been caca. Today was a really pretty day, though. We went okay. to the witchy store. So Love fabulous. That. It's our new favorite spot. It's my favorite. <laughs> Um, and one quick thing before we get into this week's episode. So, Susan and I, as you guys probably know, are super new at this and really have no idea what we're doing. And um, so, we're really excited because we have an app that helps us manage our podcast. And on this app, it shows us where everybody's listening from. And according to this app, we have three international listeners. Canada, Sweden, and France. Three guys, not just one or two, but three. We're international now. Um, If this is true, and you guys are listening, thank you, because you literally made our day three separate times this week. Every time we see something new like that pop up, it's literally just a reason to scream for joy. We've hit two other milestones this week also. We hit 50 listeners, 5-0 Super exciting. We've only had two episodes launch as of this recording. About to be three. So I'm super stoked. Me too. So thank you guys so much for all of your support that you've given us so far. And hopefully you will continue to do so. And we can make this a real thing. Because I'm really enjoying it. Me too. And I hope you guys are too. Let's be friends, guys. Yeah, let's do it. Come hang out with us. So we're going to get into this week's case. It's uh, another interesting one. This is another one that, until Suze brought it to my attention, I was completely misinformed about this gentleman. Gentleman being a loose term. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing gentle about him. He's kind of the worst. Um, So this week, we are going to be discussing the crimes of H.H. Holmes, the man considered to be America's first known serial killer. He is believed to be responsible for up to 200 deaths. But in the end, he was only convicted for one murder, which... Isn't that crazy? Dr. Henry Howard Holmes was a very dark and twisted man who was not only a violent killer, but was also quite the con artist. And by the end of his life, he had committed a litany of crimes and accumulated nine different aliases. This guy's really fucking gross. So, Suze, please make us a drink. So, uh, I first discovered H.H. Holmes in a book written by Eric Larson... It's called The Devil in the White City. If you ever get a chance to read it, I would highly recommend it. Um, A lot of the things that he writes are based in truth, 
true crimes, true things that happen, but with sort of like a fictional spin. So the book was great. It led me to this guy. My research led me to realize how ick he was, which brings us to really today. Ick. So The Devil in the White City, what led me to this? During my research, while he was building his infamous murder castle, which we will get to later on, um, around 1893 in Chicago, there was also... Um, the World's Columbian Exposition happening in Chicago. They were hosting it. Uh, yeah. It also went by Chicago's World's Fair. Which Apparently, is what I recognize it as. I've heard that term before. Apparently, the Ferris wheel was there. Oh. That was a big deal. People got to ride it, which if you think 1893, that was probably fucking terrifying. I mean, it's terrifying to me now, if I'm uh, completely honest. I love them. <laughs> but we diverged. Um, so it showcased new inventions, food, drink, Electricity was there at some point. The Ferris wheel was brand new. Um, Wikipedia said peanut butter may or may not have been showcased there. I couldn't find really any evidence when I Googled peanut butter and read up on peanut like butter. definitively one way or the one other. One way or the other, no. But I feel like peanut butter has a very sordid history for whatever There's a reason. lot happening there because I, I think they said George Washington Carver found it or discovered it. But I found a patent in 1894 from some other man who marketed it as a, like a treat almost. Oh. Rather than a source of protein. So. Interesting. Whether or not it's true, I went down the rabbit hole of peanut butter, which <laughs> leads us to peanut butter whiskey. It is screwball, which Bria never had before today. I've had it a few times. It literally tastes like peanut butter with whiskey, which... Is what it is. <laughs> so we're doing good. Um, we're going to do a PB&J. I've heard tell of this, so I Googled it. Um, I did find a recipe from cuisineathome.com um, that I was sort of into because it also uses Chambord. So we have one and a half ounces of the screwball peanut butter whiskey. The recipe I judged a little bit. I like more Chambord in my drinks. So we went with one ounce of Chambord to give it the J part. Yeah. Um, it's said to ask, add some salt. I did that the first time, was not a huge fan. So I didn't add it the second time, which is what we're drinking now. Um, so you take one and a half of the screwball, one and a half ounces, one ounce of the Chambord, shake it in your trusty little shaker tin. You know how it goes, guys. By this point, strain it into a fresh glass over ice. Um, and then what we did here to give it that salty taste instead of add actual salt was to add a little bit of club soda on top. So it's a little bit bubbly too. And to me, club soda gives it that like salty kind of yeah. tang to it. So you can never go wrong when adding club soda to a drink. Give it a try, Brie. Let me, let me know what you think. We've been in the test kitchen here for like an hour, <laughs> so we. <laughs> That's really good. I definitely like the version with the more Chambord and lack of salt better. Me too. But either way you go. What I like about this recipe that you brought to us is that I feel like there's a lot of different ways that you could make it with the same ingredients and kind of come out with different Absolutely. Results. And if you wanted to add, let us just say, vanilla almond milk instead of club soda, you Ooh. could have a twist on a white Russian. Peanut butter and jelly with a glass of milk, but all in one cup. Ooh. So there's a million different ways to do this. Um, coincidentally, 
if whiskey or Chambord or any of these other delicious things are not your jam, um, I did find out that Pabst Blue Ribbon was showcased at the Chicago's World Fair in oh. 1893. So Victorine if you want... Mm-hmm. Original. The brownie was also there. But if you oh. want to eat a brownie and crack open a PBR, feel free to do so because um, you're going to need yeah, something to get through the di- diabolical H.H. H. Holmes here. He's really gross. So gross. So we're going to start out where we normally do. At the beginning. At the beginning. Holmes was originally born as Herman Webster Mudgett. Ooh, what no a name. No wonder he wanted <laughs> several different names. I would change my name. I would too, almost immediately. He was born in Gilmington, New Hampshire on May 16th, 1861. So we're really throwing it back. I mean, to be considered America's first serial killer. First known serial killer. Going back there. So he was one of five children. Herman was the middle child. They were first generation American, which I thought was really interesting too. Kind of speaks to the time of everything. Oh, for sure. Their parents were British descent. Shocker. Um, And the family was on the wealthier side of things. That really surprised me after figuring out like... Once I got to the end, though, I was like, I feel like he was always chasing the finer things in life. Mm -hmm. With the weird diabolical twist that we'll get into later, but he always wanted better things, more money. I mean, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. He grew up in a wealthy family, and he attended and graduated from Phillips Executor Academy. It was a prep school. So, I mean, checks out. So, apparently back in the day, you could graduate when you were 16, because that's what our dear friend Herman Webster did. Um, He moved on to teaching in the nearby areas, which I feel like back then it was just, do you have a pulse? You know things we don't know. Please come teach us stuff. Um, He did show signs of high intelligence during his childhood and had a fascination with medicine from very early on. Um, He was so into it, quote unquote, allegedly, that he trapped animals and performed surgeries on them. I read a very interesting note from your research and while I was like writing this that people tried so hard to, like, fit him into the serial killer, like, triad, and they couldn't find anything. It happened to be a lost cause a lot of the time. But, like, here you go. Exhibit fucking A. Well, and also, none of that existed then. So, yes, he was intelligent, and he was finding these disturbing habits, but also they didn't have a way to put him into the serial killer box, or you're a psychopath, or you're a blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that didn't exist in the 1860s or 70s. And even after the fact... Or early 1900s, even. Trying to, like, fit him into this box, I feel like, is... It's almost like he's grandfathered into being a crazy psychopath. (laughs) Um, It's not too much of a surprise. Two years later, 1879, um, H.H. enrolled in the University of Vermont to begin his pursuit of becoming a doctor because (laughs) it's just what we want. Um, He didn't even make it more than a year, though. Uh, He claimed to be dissatisfied with the school. If that doesn't speak to a entitled, wealthy mindset. And a little bit, I feel like just a pinch of narcissism. Like, it's not me, it's the school kind of thing, you know what I mean? dash of narcissism. Just a dash. It is interesting to note, however, that a year prior to his enrollment, in July, July 4th to be exact, of 1878, Holmes married his first wife, Clara Lovering. Of course, her name was Clara. Everybody was named Clara back then. 
Not too long after they got married, the couple welcomed their son, Robert, into the world. Now, Robert was born early February of 1880. So I'd be really curious to know if that had something to do with why Holmes ultimately decided to drop out of school. With his quote-unquote dissatisfaction with the school? (laughs) Right, because I mean, like, he, he didn't seem to be, like, a bad student. By any account, From all accounts, he's very highly intelligent and somewhat motivated, like I said, I think to keep that lifestyle of, yeah. like, the finer things. So, I mean, it makes sense. What do we all know about, like, teen parents? Like, they drop out of school. So, right. I just feel like it's not that far of a leap to be like, oh, he had a kid. So, a little fun fact about Robert. He ends up being, like, a certified accountant or something. I found, like, a random piece of information The man wears many hats. They are all disturbing and terrifying because they're all with another goal in mind. Yeah. His interest in medicine is not to help people. No. His interest in accounting is not to help people. No. None of those things. None of the things. Um, So Holmes does not stray off of his medical school track for too long. He enrolls and attends the University of Michigan, specifically the Department of Medicine and Surgery. Surgery. Shocker. Surgery. Keep that in mind for well, later. Well, he was already so practiced, Suze. Like, he Ugh, did it all the time. Ugh. He's basically a pro before he even went to school. Ew. <laughs> Here is where we learn that he was a mediocre student, but he does manage to pass six exams, which apparently is enough to earn you a degree, a medic, a medic. Again, a lot of doctors back then, it was like, oh, you... You can read and write? Mm-hmm. And there's a pulse in your, in your veins? Sounds great. Wheel them on go. in there. Can you say the word medicine? Perfect. You know what? This <laughs> led me down another rabbit hole. Medicine back then in itself was fucking terrifying. I believe it. Surgery I mean, was terrifying. They would just, rather than try to save your arm or your leg, they'd just lop it off. Can you even imagine in the 1860s not having an arm or a leg? Like, what would you do? I don't understand it. Well, I mean, our lifespan as humans were not very long. Especially with gangrene and all the whole... Ooh, you guys. They didn't even have Ferris wheels. I know. This is the kind of thing... This is the time period we're talking about. I take them for granted. I also take clean, sterile hospitals for granted, so... Woof. When Mark and I first got together, I didn't want him to know that I was chicken shit and terrified of heights. So we went on the Ferris wheel at Waldemere. It's a gondola style, so they swing, you guys. It was terrifying because, of course, he's that asshole who's like, look what I can do the whole time. We're, like, on the thing, and I'm just, like, white-knuckled. Like, try not to lose my goddamn shit because we're in a new relationship. But I was like, can you please, please just sit down. That was the only time that I have been on a Ferris wheel with that man. Never again. Sometimes I go to Waldemere just to ride the Ferris wheel. Back when you could do that. I don't think you can do that anymore. And Which, to my dismay, I did not get to ride the eye of whatever in London. The big Ferris wheel with the pods. It's like, it's humongous. It's ginormous. I didn't get to ride it. I'll go back. Anyways, anyway. back to our story. <laughs> we digress. So, right before um, Mr. Holmes graduated, his wife, Clara, she moved back to New Hampshire, and she took her their son with her. Hmm. There, were several, there were several accounts of violence taking place in the home that they shared with um, housemates. So, the housemates were actually the ones that were able to kind of speak to what the environment was like. What was actually going on. Yeah. So, Clara was out. And later, she would speak to not hearing from Holmes again, Hmm. despite the fact that they Hmm. share a child. 
Weird. Weird. Um, so just a little, another little fun fact here, a little nugget of info we came across, <laughs> which will lead to things in the future. H.H. worked in the anatomy lab while he was in school, you guys. You know mm. what they did back then? They would just grave rob so that they would have bodies to have in their morgues to operate on. Ugh. They got, people got paid by the body they brought in. It didn't matter how, why, where, nobody asked questions. What an interesting Gross profession time. to have, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so anyways, H.H. <laughs> worked under the chief anatomy instructor directly, one Professor William James Herdman. Everybody had several names back then. Yeah. Several first names, I feel. Or they went by their first, middle, and last. Uh, I'm glad that we don't really do that anymore. Dear Lord, it's As so like many words. Society, that's just not necessary. Too, too much. much. Um, so... As I referenced, these two asshats were spending their free time robbing graves for medical cadavers. They just read the obituaries, go dig up the body, put the casket back in like the day after they were buried and just cover it back up. And I feel like if they had any valuables, they would take them and sell well, them. Well, I mean, you're already in the grave. But a Why lot not? of people... You're already committing robbery. Why not go I feel all like the way? that's a superstition, though. Like like Egyptians, you need to be buried with all your stuff. Yeah. But it's, like... It's taboo, <laughs> I'm fairly certain. I'd rather have it live on. Did you know that the Egyptians did not think that the brain was, like, an important organ? Wasn't it, like, the heart or something? And yeah. their cats? They didn't think that the brain was important at all. That's why they basically just turned it to mush and, like, pulled it out of there. I learned it on this mythology podcast that I listened to. That's Anyways. Sounds right. Weird though. and random, right? <laughs> but they're laughing all the way to the bank because their people are still little tightly wound mummies. And Honestly. We're getting grave robbed. They were onto something. Um, so the fact that these buttheads were doing this, H.H. <laughs> Holmes did admit until later on in life. Um, he shared that he used the cadavers to defraud life insurance companies several times while in college. What he would do, steal the cadavers from the lab, burn or disfigure them in some way, and plant them to look like a bad accident or like some sort of misfortune had befallen these poor people. Um, He would then collect the insurance money from the policies that he had taken out on said bodies, which were already dead. You know what? Talk about double dipping. This is such a long time ago. So, like, it's not even a comparison to now. But think about how... That would not be able to be done today. Oh, There's no, no way with all Absolutely of the forensic, not. No, just even the internet to be like, uh, they're already dead. Well, and that, I guess back in like Victorian times and before people were terrified of falling asleep and being thought to be dead and being buried alive. So people would put in little bells that went from their casket up to the surface so if, like, I yeah, woke I up and was I was fake. alive, they'd be like, thing. ding, ding, ding. Get yeah. out of town. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Why, though? I you have an irrational that fear. that soundly, though, where you, people think you're dead? To be fair, if we're learning anything from this case, it's that medicine was, like, barely existing at this point. So Honestly. I guess maybe, but. <laughs> That's so woo-hoo. funny. I thought that was, like, a fake thing. Mm-mm. But, you know, the more you know. Ding, ding. So... After Clara leaves his ass, Holmes moves to Moore's Fork, Forks, New York. Say that five times fast. I have a drink of a PB and J, <laughs> and then say that five times fast. I had to really like <clears throat> slow it down. Focus and gather. 
He does not stay long because a rumor begins to circulate pretty quickly around town about him. Because, of course, it does. A young boy disappears and was allegedly seen with Holmes before said disappearance. And Holmes claims that the boy just went back to Massachusetts, which is apparently where he was from. A young boy just does that, you guys. Right. And again... That is a thing. Because of the time, there was not an investigation, and as previously stated, Holmes got the fuck out of there. He then moves to good old Philadelphia, PA, and he begins to work at Norristown State Hospital, but only for a few days. He then moves on to work at a local drugstore. Unfortunately, during his tenure there, a young boy died after taking medicine that came from that store. Hmm. Holmes denies that he had any involvement in the situation, and he promptly gets the fuck out of there also. Because I feel like back then they actually mixed, like, capsules and stuff by hand. Yeah. Have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? No. So Jimmy Stewart, as a kid, saves the druggist from killing somebody because they mix it by hand. Well, I did work at that compounding pharmacy for, like, a hot minute. But this was with, like, narcotics and, Mm, you know, one, one... Arsenic instead of this means you have a death pill instead of, you know, a, a pain death pill. death pill. I'm just saying. I mean, as we see. Mm-hmm. So, this takes <laughs> us to the year 1886, and H.H. moves to Illinois. Mm-hmm. He also gets married to a woman named Murda Belknap later in the year, which, correct me if I'm wrong, he's still married to Clara. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, A few weeks after their nuptials take place, uh, Holmes did file for divorce from Clara, alleging that she had been unfaithful to him. Say what? (laughs) Skirt. You heard that record skip, (laughs) right? Um, Because he married someone else. But she was unfaithful. Right. Um, His claims couldn't be proven, so the the divorce didn't go anywhere. Um, There is some surviving paperwork that alleges that Clara was likely never informed of the suit, because back then, you think the Postal Service is bad now, but back then (laughs) it was like horses and carriages, and everybody Mm -hmm. was getting robbed for stuff. People send a letter, and then they show up a day before their letter actually arrives. Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Um, so either way, the divorce was never finalized, and was officially, the paperwork, I guess, was officially dismissed in June of 1891, I imagine they're, just like many other things, a time limit to how long they're willing to play this. To wait on it. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. well, if she doesn't get back to us at some point, I'm not going to waste my time with this anymore. I mean, I get it. Um, so, Murda and HH expand their family with the birth of their daughter on, again, July 4th, 1889. Isn't that hilarious? It's just kind of creepy. Why? This is what, honestly, when I was writing this, I had, like, a sick, like, chuckle over like, like America's first known serial killer, the World's Fair. It, it I just felt like the it was birth like a of weird, our nation. It was like a really weird lineup of everything, but you know. Um the family lived in Wilmette, Illinois, um, with HH spending most of his own time in Chicago, quote unquote, tending to business. What business? Um, this is where Holmes began using the name Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. He begins working at a drugstore in Inglewood that was owned by Elizabeth S. Holton and her husband. Um, eventually, he winds up buying the drugstore um, from the couple. There is a myth 
Because as we said in the beginning, he's accused of over 200 murders. Mm -hmm. Or they could plausibly be sort of traced back to him. Connected to him in some way. In some way. Mysterious circumstances. Um, Apparently this one, lucky for HH, was found to be untrue. Um, Mr. Holton was only a few years older than Holmes. And despite being painted as the feeble old man who just sort of vanished... Um, both Holtons remained in Englewood well into the 20th century, so at least somebody escaped his freaking clutches of doom. Well, and from what I was able to find, they had some kind of contact with him as well for quite a while. <clears throat> I'm sure they after... believed he was a fine, upstanding doctor. Well, yeah, and they had to do, like, the transition of everything and, like, help out with all of that kind of shit, but it's weird because... As we see, Holmes gets accused of a lot of things. Yep. He confesses to a lot of things. Not all of it's true. It's... This guy is such a fucking idiot. I could mean, be, might be. He could have done nothing. He could have done all the things that I mean, he definitely did a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. But He's, this is one of those things that, like, kind of get lost in the translation of history, I feel. Well, like and a lot of... As was described, like, paperwork and stuff. Like, when you say surviving paperwork, like, we're lucky that those documents still exist yeah. kind of thing. Like That's the only thing that makes researching cases like this really difficult. Especially somebody who, like me, I'm so detail-oriented that I get, like, physically angered by the lack of resources. And, like... That's, again, why the... Eric Larson book that led me to H.H. Holmes really helped because it was sort of fictionalized, but also much of it was based in fact. Like, he had a lot of research to back up the the things he said, but, like, names and places and dates may have been smudged a little kind of thing. It was it was just a very interesting read. I've heard good things about that book. I'm going to have to check it out. Maybe we'll do, like, a book club kind of thing. Maybe we'll make it a whole thing. I don't know. Would you guys like that? I was like that. I love books. Same. Same Samesies. I just bought two books today. Like, I needed more. But they're witchy books, and therefore... We're pretty into it. They're pretty great. (laughs) I'm pretty excited, guys. Um, So, the good old doctor didn't just buy the drugstore. He also bought the empty lot across the street. He began construction on a building that was intended to be used for multiple purposes. Retail spaces on the first floor, apartments on the second, etc., etc. Allegedly. The neighborhood referred to this building as the castle. <laughs> Over the course of the next few years, Holmes would hire and fire several construction crews. He also tended not to pay them, according to um, a lawsuit. Probably would... several, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, Holmes had a very specific vision, and he did not want anyone getting like a clear picture of what he was doing, hence the multiple things. You guys, he was building a fucking murder castle. Murder castle. Like a legitimate murder castle. And the completion of this building gave Holmes the space he needed to commit his many, many atrocities. Because it's, so like we said, the first floor actually was a storefront. Mm -hmm. With several different shops, I believe. So I believe it was like his pharmacy or Mm -hmm. whatever, and then he was renting out space to other people because honestly at this point, like he's making all these, building all these things, he's got to be paying some people at some point. Yeah. Or at least buying the materials. Um, The second floor was his office. Um, Over 100 rooms. Now, it it didn't specify, like, I feel as though some of them were closets because some of them were also used as torture rooms. Yep. Um, 
Some of them were soundproof and contained gas lines for asphyxiation. Talk about freaking diabolical. This dude had fucking trap doors, peepholes, stairways that led to nowhere, just scattered throughout this fucking place. He had hinged walls, rooms with false partitions, secret passageways. This is literally like... A legitimate, like, scary castle. It's literally a murder castle. And you guys, here's, literally. The, here's the best worst part. I, when I read this part, I was like, who say what? He had chutes <laughs> that led to the basement that was designed to be a personal laboratory. There was acid vats, quicklime, medical tables and tools, a freaking crematorium. A crematorium. Once they were in the basement, you know, because there were shoots to just shoot them down there. Like, like a laundry chute. Like, you would just put the body in the thing and it would just, whoom, right but down in the basement. But it's people. So, obviously, he liked to dissect things. Um, he had training in human anatomy. So, he used the surgical tables and medical tools to dissect these poor people. He sold their organs and bones on the black market. I think. The black market meant, like, people would drink blood or, like, the heart is meant to be, like, bleh, it it will help you, you know what I mean, do whatever it is you want. Honestly, I, you know what I picture? I just think of, like, the dark web, but, like, personified, essentially, like, in a, this is what I think of. Like, when you yeah. think of all that kind of stuff. Because there was, um, it was a lady, I believe, from Louisiana. I need to brush up on my deadly women. <laughs> but she had servants, and she would just, she went through hundreds of servants because she would drink their blood to stay young. Oh. So I'm curious if people were like, well, if I put this heart of a person into my stew, it will help me be more whatever it will help me be more of. I would not doubt that. People had a lot of weird superstitions. Um, And he also sold bones and organs to back, you guys, back to medical institutions as, like, learning tools for doctors. I mean, like... <laughs> Say what? This guy's fucking nuts, but, like, the man had a plan. Well, um, it, I will say it's... <laughs> You want to talk about grossly well executed? He I built mean, honestly, a murder castle and literally profited off of every part of it well it even had the the thought to be like okay well i obviously can't have one set of people in here i have to have them be built in sections like i can barely handle having to reorganize my office let alone trying to plan out a whole murder castle like that's just off the table for me it's It's just not gonna be a thing apparently he also did on the third floor have apartments yes apartment rooms that he rented out so he basically set up this murder castle to suit his preferred methods of murder which included suffocation overdose of chloroform overexposure to light lighting gas fumes trapped in an airless (laughs) vault like what (laughs) starvation burning alive how did nobody see any I mean, of this? the basement, I get it, but, like, what the actual fuck? Well, and, like, we have transient people and homeless people now, but, like, literally back then, there was nobody accounting for anyone. The internet is, like, the best and worst thing, I feel like. People would send their children to America, and then just the family would never hear from like, them just again. Like, they, like, worked out. They might have been successful. They also might have been chloroformed to death in a murder castle in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> you don't know. None of us know, literally. Um, So, 
Don't get me hype on this. I could talk all day. <laughs> so after the murder castle was finished in 1891, because, you know, it took that freaking long. Yeah, um, they've got things to do. Well, and also 47 different contractors will lead to just... Over 100 torture <laughs> rooms. What is this shit? Uh, um, Holmes began to advertise the establishment as a place of lodging. I guess which I mean, technically true. If we'll remember, Chicago was going to be hosting the World's Fair in 1893. So I'm sure they had already planned this. Because back then you had to plan it like a decade in advance. Yeah. So they already knew it was coming. So he started to advertise. He put ads out in the newspaper to try to lure young women in. He would offer jobs or... This one makes me, gives me the ews. Um, he would pose as a wealthy man looking for a wife, which he already has two of. Do you uh. need more? <laughs> Aren't two enough? Um, he also mandated that all of his employees, his castle guests, any fiancés or wives he might accumulate during this time, um, were all required to hold life insurance policies and guys. Guess who was the beneficiary? Oh, tell me who. That would be H.H. That was the fact that, like, I read this and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. People still actually get away with that now. How? I don't know. I I don't understand. I don't get it. So, this brings us to 1893. We're at the World's Fair. We're eating our peanut butter, riding our Ferris wheel marveling at electricity and Pap's blue ribbon and brownies and all the things that bring us joy. Um, it's a huge festival like event. Basically it takes up from what I understood the whole of downtown Chicago. They yeah. actually built buildings for it. Like the whole nine yards. Cause wasn't it, it was, was it a big deal to host this. Was it this specific one or was it the world's fair intention in general to like coincide with Columbia Columbus. It was Columbus, Colum- <laughs> quote unquote, discovering. I it was. Heavy air quotes it, on the discovery. It was. Because this was, I think, the 400th I think anniversary. Right. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's why they called it the Columbian. But they just shortened it to the World's Fair because, oh, yeah. Columbus is gross, so well, there's that. They thought he was pretty cool back then. Yeah. He was a pretty swinging dude. They also bur- built murder castles back Apparently, then. Apparently, so, and I mean, had multiple wives. Um, so it was started, slotted to start in May of 1893, um, and go all the way through October just to give everybody a chance to get in their buggy, get up there, see all the things. (laughs) Um, as I said, I think he knew about it beforehand, but it nevertheless did not dull his joy when the news that we got a big ass festival like fair coming to our town um, it's the literally, the I think, the perfect storm of him being able to lure unsuspecting victims into his clutches and also just make people disappear. Yeah. Um, most people would later report seeing women go inside but never come back out. Um, one of his earliest victims was his own mistress because this man can just not keep it in his pants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Julia Smith. Smythe. There's a Y instead of an I, and there's an E at the end. So Smythe. I mean, Smith would also work consi- like. We did not consult Google, like, Google British, Translate. So British spelling <clears throat> of things. She was his mistress, um, because of course, apparently everybody did all these things. She was the wife of one of his employees. Um, when the husband found out, he just quit and moved away. 
She kept custody of their child. It was a daughter. Her name was Pearl. Um, she stayed at the castle with her daughter. Do you hear me gritting my teeth? Because I'm gritting my teeth. To continue their tryst, um, they disappeared Christmas Eve of 1891. H.H. Um, H. claims uh, she died during an abortion, which we I don't could know see. the actual truth. Back then, people did die because of that. I um, they still do. But nobody actually knows. Um, a partial, you guys. <laughs> partial. I'm so sad face. A partial. a partial skeleton that was guessed to be a child of around Pearl's age was found when Holmes's cellar was later excavated. Um, and actually, Pearl's father, Ned, because <laughs> Ned, I, I just can't with the names. I know they're old-timey names. Um, Ned goes on to be a key witness during Holmes's trial. Could you imagine, like, that poor dude? No. Like, his wife cheats on him with this piece of shit, and then she stays there with their kid, and then they come up missing. And the thing that's shitty about the skull is that, like, you're still not able to definitively say what happened. So, like, they don't know. And the thing is, with Holmes, these next couple people that we're going to mention are people that I believe he confessed to. And was able to kind of be, like, backed up in some kind of way. Um, so that's kind of, like, where we get this information from. From what I read, yeah, it was, it could potentially be people that he actually interacted with. Like, it is known that they were staying there, or they worked there, or they were a mistress, or a blah, blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's an actual thread that connects them to H.H. That makes sense. And his evilness. He had another victim who was also a mistress. Slash mistress. Her name was Emmeline or Emmeline. I'm going to go with Emmeline. I like Emmeline. Um, I'm not even going to attempt her last name. It's not, it's not relevant. She began working at the castle in May of 1892. And then she disappeared in December. She made it six months? Yeah. Oof. Which, I mean, could have been a long stint. For this guy, we don't really know a lot of details about, like, the timeline that he liked to keep, but he had so many people coming in and out. I can't imagine that he was keeping people around for, like, a super long time. Well, if you have nine aliases, two wives, 47 mistresses, (laughs) 100 murder murder houses or rooms (laughs) in your murder castle, it's just a lot of balls to have up in the air (laughs) all at once. Can you imagine what his day planner looked like? Dear Lord, no. <laughs> there were um, rumors following Emmeline's disappearance as well that would claim that she had gotten pregnant by Holmes, insinuating that she was another failed abortion victim that Holmes was trying to cover up. Which, again, like, we don't know for sure. It could have been the truth. Is it likely? Fuck no. But, you know. That brings us to Minnie. Minnie Williams. She was a one-time actress. She met Holmes in an employment office, which what a doctor-owning property would be doing in an employment office. Okay, so could it be a situation like he needed employees? Would he go there and be like, hey, y'all, do you want to work in my pharmacy slash murder house? I mean, maybe. Like, well, I'm you curious. Go to, like the employment store and I... you're like, hey. I know we have places like that now, but it's like they put up a job and then you respond to it. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know how it works, but 
Um, there are rumors that they met in Boston years earlier because HH gets around. Mm. Um, Minnie was offered a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer. What do you need a stenographer as a hotelier? Because she was pretty and she needed a job. That was me mimicking (laughs) Candace DeLong in my best Deadly Women voice. I liked it. So here's where things get sort of weird to me. There's a lot of transferring of property. Mm. Um, In 1893, Minnie transfers a property that she owns. I believe so, yeah. To Alexander Bond, which is an alias of Mr. H.H., Holmes later signed the property over to an alias of his associate, Benjamin, whose alias was Benton T. Lyman. We'll, we'll get to him soon. Um, Minnie rented an apartment with Holmes in 1893. Her sister, Annie, had actually visited this apartment. And, I mean, from what I see, like, didn't see anything crazy. But... Yeah. She noted she had the opportunity to. She noted in a letter, she noted in a letter to an aunt in July, she was going to Europe with Brother Harry. Who who's Brother Harry? Brother HH. Who the fuck is is he a priest now? Like what I think that's just how they talked back then. Like, I'd be like, oh, Brother Mark. Well, you know, I mean that Unless makes, they're part of some other weird thing. I was gonna say it could be a religious thing because Growing up in the J-dubs, they referred to everybody as brother and sister, whoever. Well, to be fair, if he's lying about who he is, his name, yeah. his number of wives, his murder house, his money. This is just a lie bucket, ma, I like religion or whatever. Um, however, bum, 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 it brings us to July 5th, you guys. Are we sensing a pattern here? July 5th, 1893, Minnie and Annie were never seen alive after that date. It makes me really sad, that one, especially, I think, I don't know, because, like, the poor sister goes and, like, thinks she's going to have a good time with her sister. And well, I'm curious, dude. do you think she wrote that letter under duress? Or did he lie to her and she just wrote that letter like, hey, auntie, I'm going to Europe with Brother Harry, yeehaw, you know what I mean? Or did she even write it at all? And did he write it and just sent it? Because it's not like they're gonna have handwriting analysis. Well, or any we black saw market. we saw with Soap Lady. She yeah. would be like, "Oh, you should write postcards to yeah. tell them what a good fortune you've had elsewhere." And then whack, yeah. whack, whack their soap. So I'm just curious. The amount of thought that goes into this dude's every fucking move is beyond me. And we just we'll get to the end of this, and you'll still have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> Because we do, too. That's the only thing that gets me about older cases, is that I just don't feel satisfied. But. I still love them. I'm rooting for the older cases. I want to talk like them all about them. I really do. This one was a really interesting one. So, while Holmes is out here murdering chicks left and right, he was also, at the same time, traveling across the U.S. committing insurance fraud with his best buddy, Benjamin Pitzel. Pitzel? I don't know. Yeah, he was the, what was his alias? Benton. Benton, Benton, Benton T. Lyman. Rolls so, right off the tongue. Benny was a carpenter with a sketchy past, which made him pretty much the best candidate to be Holmes's right-hand man. So a DA later describes their relationship, and he describes Pitzel as Holmes's tool, his creature. And that's really fucking creepy. That makes me think of, like, Dr. Frankenstein. My skin crawls. I don't like it. I don't like it. So, after the World Fair concluded, 
Unfortunately, Chicago's economy, it kind of took a turn for the worse, and it majorly slumped. So this cult caused Holmes to just abandon his murder castle, and he focused solely on his insurance scams, committing <laughs> random murders along the way. Just for fun, I guess? Just for or because he could? I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with the insurance scams. I mean, honestly, of his, like, previous behaviors, any indication? So, in 1893, Holmes's home, his house where he lived, catches on fire. And the insurance company is like, yo, dude, I think you did this. And they're trying to pin him for arson. So, as per usual, he got the fuck out of Chicago. I think this is, like, the only true MO we have for him is that he just gets the fuck out of Dodge anytime anything happens. Literally. any Anytime anybody might even point the finger at him, you can almost see flames shooting out <laughs> right? of his like, boots. Like, like, oh, shit. He's out. It's like he got a spidey sense for, like, rumors flying around town. He's like, oh. If he gets around as much as these stories make me believe he yeah. did, he probably had an ear to the ground with all the gossips, like... Tell me what's good. You know. I feel like to get away with fraud, you'd have to, right? Mm-hmm. So, because he needs to leave Chicago, in July of 1894, he makes his way to Fort Worth, Texas. And if we remember, he had recently come into some property in Fort Worth, thanks to poor Minnie Williams. Minnie. So, he goes there, and a, this this one really made me laugh, I'm not going to lie. This made me think of, like, <laughs> Wild Wild West <laughs> in my head. He stole horses. Shipped them to St. Louis and sold them. And Texas was like, get the fuck out of here. You are not going to steal our horses. Which well, I'm curious. I feel checks like out for Texas. Back then, horses were wild. Oh, for sure. I mean. There were Mustangs all out and about. I know they exist in places now, but yeah. it the wild, wild west back then was literally right. wild still. Like, that was still like. An unbeaten path, basically. Oh do you basically. remember that really bad Will Smith movie from, like, the 90s? Wow, wow, West. I was, like, really into that movie. With for Kevin Klein months. and mm-hmm. Salma Hayek? Yeah. It's really terrible. It's bad. <laughs> Burger King had toys. I'll still watch it. I mean, yeah. The evil, like, tarantula. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. If you don't know, Google Watch it. it. It's worth the Google. It's worth the watch. Despite the slap. Yeah. I still love Will. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> so, apparently, H.H. H. Holmes made out like a fucking millionaire. Maybe not quite. But he made a lot of money off of these stolen horses. But he was found out, and they arrested him, and they're like, you are going straight to jail. Do not collect $200. Busted. Um, so here, because as we've learned, prisons are just a petri dish for learning experiences for people, H.H. Um, H. meets his new bestie, Marion Hedgepeth. What a name. Right. Um, he and H.H. are cellmates, and they come up with an insurance scam together, because of course they do. The plan was to have H.H. take out a $10,000 policy on himself and then fake his death, which I don't know if you know this, but $10,000 in 1894 is like $5 million. Million We'll have to Google it, but it, that's yeah. a lot of doll hairs. Um H.H. would then provide Hedgepeth with the money for a lawyer should the need for one arise, which this all sounds fishy to me. I don't know why Marion wasn't like, wait a minute. Like, I'm only going to get a $500 deposit is basically what you're saying? Basically. Um, H.H. made bail, and once he was able to, he attempted this crazy-ass plan. Um, The insurance company 
finally, was suspicious of the whole situation and didn't pay any money out. So, as H.H. learned, he had to readjust his plan. It's round two. This time, um, Pitzel, Benjamin, you know, his bestie, accomplice friend, would be the one to fake his own death so his wife could collect the cash. I'm this gonna... is just getting too spider-webby. Well, and I'm going to assume he was, H.H. was like, we'll just split it. Me, you, and Marion. Mm -hmm. Da, 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 da. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This was to take place in Philly and called for um, Pitzel to set himself up as an inventor under the name of B.F. Perry. What? Well, also, how easy is it to just make a new name? It seems like it was really fucking easy. We've been through, like... I don't know, 45 minutes of talking, and they've had 57 you know, names. it's interesting, because I really think that, like, you didn't have to do anything, because, like, my grandmother-in-law was born with one version of her name, and now goes by just Diane, and she just changed it. Like, she signs documents that way, but, like, her birth certificate says one thing, and she hmm. signs it as something else, and, like, nobody said anything to her, and she's, like, in her mid-70s at this point. My sister said when she got married to change her last name was, like, she might as well have lit hoops on yeah. fire and then tried to jump through all of them all at once. Well, doesn't that... I'm pretty sure that has something to do with the Patriot Act that was passed after 9-11, but... I mean, I get it, but she was like, I'm never doing that again. Right? Like, this is it. I, I have mean, your last name forever. <laughs> good for her, but... Um, so, anyways, back to this crazy batshit spiderweb we've created. Um, so, Pitzel was going to be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. As we'll recall, this is HH's specialty. Mm -hmm. He likes to disfigure and blow people up. And he likes laboratories. Um, things didn't work out too great for Ben, you guys. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw this coming, but HH couldn't find a suitable cadaver, so instead he just decided to kill Ben. Um, he knocked him out using chloroform, which is another one of his favorite tools, and then another of his favorite things. He set his body on fire using benzene, which I don't exactly know what that is, but obviously it catches Pretty on sure fire. it's like a really flammable chemical, but again, I don't really know. Back then, though, they put cocaine in all cough syrup, cocaine so who like knows? Cocaine was like in Coca-Cola. <laughs> things could just light on fire all the time. I just... Can you imagine the thought process? Like, okay, like I'm looking for a cadaver... That suits my friend. And then she's like, you know what? I can't find one. So maybe, maybe just maybe, I'm going to just kill him. Do you think he actually looked? <gasps> you guys. Oh. It occurred to me while I was just Hot reading twist. this that I was like, maybe he just intended to kill him all along. That would make a lot of sense. Maybe he intended to kill Marion all along, and we'll never know. Mm. For those of you who are interested, I googled how much $10,000 was like the equivalent today. And it is $334,000. Y'all. $334,306.98. That's kind of a lot of money. Yeah, significant. So I guess, I mean, like... I guess if I was faking my own death, but I wouldn't trust this HH any farther than I could pick him up and throw him. No. And here's the wild thing, is that Holmes was able to collect the payout from the insurance company. They gave him the money. And he immediately went on to manipulate the shit out of Pitzel's wife. And this is the thing that, like... 
It's just like another layer of awfulness that's already on a cake of awful. Well, it's it's literally like the fondant on top of like a poop cake or something. Like like you don't think it can get worse, and then it just gets worse. So he was able to somehow convince this woman to place three out of her five children three into his physical custody. What? I'm not a mom. But, like, wouldn't your maternal instincts just be like, well, I mean, she just lost her husband, so she probably was not in the right frame of mind. Well, and uh, back in the day, men were the breadwinners, so what was she to do with five six mouths to feed and no income? Yeah. But still, I wouldn't trust my teapot with H.H. Holmes, let alone three children. I'd be curious to know what her perception of him was. Like, how did... He get how did he get introduced to her? To me, was he a family friend? In my unquote? personal opinion, to accomplish all that he uh, quote unquote accomplished, yeah. he had to be like a Rico Suave. Like, look Something, how rich right? I am. I can take better care of your kids than you can. Your husband would want it. Blah blah yeah. blah. I, I'm sure there was some sort of weird story mixed in there. It's it's wild because Holmes and his three new children Ugh. traveled throughout the northern parts of the U.S. and in the Canada. Simultaneously, he also ensured that Mrs. Pitzel was traveling along a parallel route. So I read this to take, and correct me if I'm wrong, so he and the kids were, like, doing their thing, and they were, like, going on a route, and then, like, she was going, he was basically making her travel the same route, so they were all within, like, miles of each other, were they not? Well, I'm curious if he was, like, we'll meet you here, and then they were, like, a day or two ahead. That Do you know what sense, I mean? Yeah. Like, you can see Ellie and Sebastian in Saskatchewan, well, except was, that they never met up there, weirdly. It just never, their paths never arrived together. He was lying to her the whole time, too, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't he? Yes. Like, about where the here. children were yeah. and what their condition was. Well, and he was using all of his different aliases. He's lying to Mrs. P and like it's just a whole thing. And I also what really got me was that he she I actually should correct myself from earlier. She did not know that her husband was dead. She was under the impression that he was alive with Holmes and the kids. That all so that must be why she let the kids go. Yeah. I can't imagine she would just be like, "Bye." Yeah. <laughs> Like, the majority of her children, too. It wasn't even, like... So, Holmes later confesses to ultimately killing two of the children, Alice and Nellie. He forced them into a trunk, locking them in. He drilled a hole in the lid and attached the end of a hose to it. That hose was attached to a gas line, asphyxiating the girls. I'm shaking my head, (sighs) y'all. He stripped the bodies of their clothes and he buried them in the bottom of his rental house in Toronto. In Toronto, so now we're international diabolical murderers. Um, So eventually, the bodies are found by investigators. Um, Afterwards, this detective, Frank Geyer, travels to Indianapolis. He was aware of a cottage that Holmes had rented, because apparently he's back in the good old U.S. of A. Um, Sure enough, there was a... Report stating that H.H. had visited a local pharmacy and purchased the drugs used to kill the third child, Howard. Mm. So, for whatever reason, he kept the boy with him. Maybe as a little bit longer. Maybe to keep a trickle of truth. Maybe because he was batshit bananas. Fucking psychopath. 
Um, he was also, H.H., seen entering a repair shop where he sharpened the knives that he used to chop up the body before burning it. The investigators arrive too late. They only find teeth and bits of bone in the chimney. And these were children. They weren't teenagers. They were not adults. They were literal children. So I mean, not that murder's okay ever, but... You done crossed a line here, H.H., like, whoa. Several, several lines, several times. I just, ugh. So, Holmes was arrested in Boston in November of 1894. So, as you can see, he has made his way across the United States and Canada. It seems as if this uh, former cellmate of his, Marion, was super pissed that they did not receive any share of the cash that was paid out. And so Marion snitched. Ha ha. <laughs> investigators were finally able to catch up with Holmes. And he was being held on the basis of an outstanding warrant for horse theft, which Those... just gets me every time. Good for him. Those horses came back to bite him in yeah. the fucking ass. As they should. How fuck dare you. you fuck with the horses? Mm. Tina Belcher would be so disappointed. I'm disappointed. <laughs> Authorities were worried that Holmes was going to try and flee the country with his third wife in tow, which apparently she was with him throughout this whole thing, or, like, nearby also. So he was, like, had a trifecta of, like, human beings. Like, he was just, like, wrangling It seems the as though this man was a master manipulator where he could keep all these different threads of his personality going, and they all led back to him. And somehow he was, like, puppeteering all of this craziness. I don't, I don't even it. know. How do you How? have a day job? How do you steal horses? How do you work as <laughs> How a do pharmacist? You have time for any of this. Dear Lord, I'm tired just thinking about all the murder Honestly, and stealing and murder and stealing. Um, so, back to the story at hand. 1895. Um, the police discover the bodies of Alice and Nellie in July. Again, you guys, it's July. Again, still. It's so weird. Gross. Did you think that that was, like, like that was intentional on his part? Or do you think it was just, like, a weird... I hope it was a weird coincidence. Or maybe, like, we're getting into witchy stuff in our personal lives. So I'm curious if, like, July just held some sort of, like, astrological, like, craziness. Like, power or some some sort of weirdness. You never know. It's weird. It's just interesting. All of this July, especially the beginning of July, seemed to keep cropping up. Yeah, it seems very important. Again and again. So weird. Um, So, the investigators find the bodies. They begin investigating the murder castle, but there's no evidence that can be found that would convict Holmes of anything in Chicago, which how I don't really I, know. He has a, he has a literal murder castle. But I guess when he left, he left it open so people and transients could just go in and do things. So who knows what was his? I what mean, was that was theirs, probably intentional was, on his part too. Absolutely, let's be real about that it. man is nothing was nothing other than calculating. Um, so in October of 1895. Holmes is put on trial for the murder of his accomplice, accomplice, Benjamin Pitzel. He's found guilty and sentenced to death. Remember we said earlier he was only found guilty of one murder? It was him. This be it. And it's his one of his closest confidence and is like his 
right hand Which, man I mean, kind of thing. If he's gonna get pinned for it's fitting. any of them, I think it's very fitting it's that fitting. this is the one. But um, at this point, it's clear, pretty much crystalline clear, that he's responsible also for the murders of the three missing Pitzel children. Um, however, for whatever reason, I think they had him on murder, so they just decided we're gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Back then, um, capital punishment was, you did. And well, and that <laughs> there's was no like, like we're not gonna talk about it. We're not yeah. gonna try other cases to just prove you're guilty further. It's just you're guilty. So. Well, and yeah, you only really need the one. And also, capital punishment was pretty much the punishment. I feel. I think that was like it. Yeah. Um. So following this murder conviction, H.H. got loose lips. <laughs> um, he started confessing to other crimes. Overall, he confessed to 27 murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto, which, as you'll recall, he traveled all over the goddamn yeah. place, so could be true, um, as well as six attempted murders. Um, Holmes actually paid over 7000 He was paid over $7,000 for his confessions by the Hearst newspapers, which... So based on the, my little Google search, that would have been, like, well over $150,000 that he But what's offered. he going to do with it? Like, you're sentenced to death, bro. Yeah. Send it to his multiple wives and children? Probably not. Probably not. He probably just wanted to have fancy things in jail. Um, unfortunately, um, most of what Hearst newspapers got turned out to be nonsense, um, because, as is the case with people like this, H.H. was ultimately a pathological liar as well. Um, so who really knows what his truths were or what his actual crimes were? We can just speculate based on what was left behind and, like, eyewitness accounts. It's so crazy. So, the execution took place on May 7th, 1896. Holmes was to be hung at the Philadelphia County Prison. Apparently, he stayed calm right up until the very end, which I think in and of itself is, like, psychopathic, but whatever. He showed minimal signs of fear or sadness, and yet asked for his coffin (laughs) to be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep. Do you want to know why? Because he's a grave robber. He was concerned that grave robbers would steal his body and use it for a dissection. Probably because that's what you've been fucking doing for the entirety of your lifetime, sir. Well, and honestly, if you're a grave robber in 1896 in Philadelphia, wouldn't you be like, you know what grave I want to rob? The guy that robbed all the graves and killed you're all the people. You're just saying that because that's what you did. Well, You would deserve it. Karma. I'm curious, though. Did the county pay for that? Because they did. Yeah. The hanging itself was uh, kind of awful to witness, according to testimonies from it. His neck didn't break. And so instead, he kind of just strangled himself slowly. Like dangling about all creepily. The whole thing took about 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. And he was ultimately buried in an unmarked grave at Holy Cross Cemetery in Philly. So... This brings us to 1909. We're going to go back to little snitch Marion. Um, Marion Hutchpeth is killed. So he actually was pardoned for being an informant in the HH case. But he was done in by an officer during a holdup at a Chicago saloon. Because back then, Mm saloon-like. You know, you'll have that. Um, In 1914, the death of Patrick Quinlan was reported. He was the former caretaker of the murder castle. 
Um, he actually committed suicide, you guys, which is nothing to make light of. Um, his body was found in his bedroom. A note was found that read simply, I couldn't sleep. It makes me, it makes me really sad. He had, so he had to have been, the caretaker would have been the one to, like, fix things if they broke or, like. Yeah, and, like, generally Paint over the the scratch marks of people's fingernails trying to get out. Like, he had to have known what was happening. He had to have seen some shit. Um, his surviving relatives would claim that Patrick, uh, had to have been haunted for many months and suffered from hallucinations from his time at the murder castle. Which, I mean, who could fucking blame him? I have nightmares sometimes about this shit, and I just read about it. I don't like it. So, the castle itself was taken out by a fire in in August of 1895. The whole thing was gutted and set ablaze. There was an article that was ran by the New York Times that stated that two men were seen entering the back of the building late one evening, about 8, 8.30, and about a half an hour later, they were seen exiting and running away. There were several explosions before the building became engulfed in flames. What do you think those two men were doing, y'all? Mm-hmm. I mean... God. With all the explosive benzene or whatever right. was in there. I don't feel like they'd have to try very hard to be honest. Honestly, back then, I think everything was flammable. Well, so. and investigators only found a half-empty gas can underneath the back steps of the building. So the building itself survived. Like, I, I would imagine like, I think the structure just the sh- of it. Like, the, the bones. bones of it. Ugh. It was but, yes. used until its demolition in 1938. The site, though, is currently home to the Englewood branch of the United States Postal Service. Dun, so, dun, dun. you know, if you're feeling froggy, go check it out. See what's up. Um, so, in 2017, so we're almost at present day, there were some allegations being thrown around whether H.H. had maybe managed to escape his execution, despite the fact that he was just a dangling away there. Just rumors be floating around this dude all the time. Because I think he almost cultivated like like a mis- tell stories yeah. about me, you guys, like, like a some kind of mysticism persona. thing. Um, to be sure, uh, his body was exhumed for testing. I love I love that they had to like test it. They were like, mm, just you to know, be safe. Let's check this out. Because he's obviously dead by. 2017 but also if you find out he's been perpetrating crimes when he was still alive in the 1890s like dear lord can you only imagine right um so funny enough they freaking encased his coffin in cement as per his dying wish why like i'm sorry i already have a weird feelings towards the way that we respect dead bodies more than we respect them as human beings when they're alive but that's besides the point. Why would you obey the wishes of this man? Like, why would you give him what he wants? I don't get it. Anyways. <laughs> um, however, just to be spooky, his body didn't seem to decompose normally. That had to have been really fucking weird to, like, Like, open, open it up and just see a sleeping like weird a, like a mummy yeah, person? I don't like it. Um, his clothes were in near perfect condition and his mustache was still intact. He had a very distinct mustache, like, like that very, it's like the, you should do a Google image search. It's like the twisted up kind of like 
shellacked one. Mustache, if you will. Mm. Like, he had the original. We're not pointing fingers, but he started it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they did do some testing. Uh, It was him. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. He was, in fact, the man that was buried and then encased in cement all those glorious years ago. Fucking wild. And that's that's H.H. Holmes. Murder Castle. So, I feel like it's very appropriate that the first known serial killer for America was centered around July 4th. That's true. What are the odds? It was definitely just happenstance, but like I said, he must have been feeling some weird energy pulls from the moon or something. I don't know. A lot of things happened for him in the beginning of July. Or July 4th, 5th, or 3rd. Like, it was gross. Yeah. But good pick, Seuss. Hell yeah. And like I said, if you want to get down with reading a book, I would definitely recommend The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. It was my jam. I've read it twice. I would read it again. It's very informative. I'm going to have to check it out. Heck yeah. I have somebody bringing me books about Virgo things, because I'm a Virgo, and I want to learn more about it. So that'll be... I've got a long list of book reading right now, but Make it's that going for on fun book. the list. <laughs> so, a little bit of business that we want to attend to before we skedaddle. Um, first and foremost, if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you. We, we really, love you. We appreciate really your support more it. than we can possibly like, say. I can't even begin to express how many times I send you screenshots of things circled and going just, ah, the entire time. Um, this has been a lot of fun, and this is something that we're really enjoying, and so thank you. So, that being said, please, 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 like, reach out and interact with us. Um, um, did you make the drink? Let us know. We're on Instagram. You can hit us up, tag us in your drink pic, tag us in you drinking it, Facebook, Twitter. Send us messages, literally anything. Like, let us know that you guys are out there. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know if you think we suck or if we're awesome or, you know, anything in between. Only say you suck constructively, though. <laughs> Otherwise, I will definitely take offense to it. <laughs> and we're also going to start this new fun thing. Um, we're going to do, like, a Trivia Tuesday. So every Tuesday, we're going to uh, post a fact, like a question, that is going to kind of be like a teaser to the case that we're going to be releasing that weekend. And if you get it right on any of our social media platforms, you win a prize. Yeah. So I'm in the process of designing some Crime and Spirits swag for ourselves and maybe for merchandising purposes if you guys are interested. Um, But I've got some decals going. We actually had our first Trivia Tuesday winner, my friend Megan. So hey, um, we're going to get those worked out for them very soon. Um, our social medias, really quick, Instagram, at Crime and Spirits Pod, Facebook, same thing. Um, the, it's the word and, not the ampersand, so C-R-I-M-E-A-N-D-S-P-I-R-I-T-S-P-O-D. I am so impressed you I, crushed that. <laughs> yes. After, like, a shot and the drink and some wine and all the things. Um, Twitter is a little different. It's just at Crime Spirits Pod. Not spelling it again, guys. Um, so please, I can't say it enough. Uh, thank you, and we love you, and uh, night, guys. Cheers.